This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Game recognized game. Um, speaking of shoes, we'll talk about shoes here in a second. Um, how many of you, this is your first time inside Cornerstone? All right. How many of you, this is your first... Kate, put your hand down, Maddie. You kids. You kids. You got me. Ah. Maddie says she's been here since the sixth grade. Can you prove it? Fifth grade? Who's been here the longest? Let's play that game. Layton. Layton's dad's the pastor. Austin, how long have you been here? Maddie, you, and Layton. The OGs. So what? Since you were born? Were you born in the church? Awesome. That had to be a little scary. How many of you, this is your first time at a student event at Cornerstone? Awesome. Awesome. How many of you, this is your first time seeing me? Like, I haven't met you before. Um, Hey, I'm TiVo. I like um, Coke Zero. I have a two-year-old who's way cuter than any of you were as kids. Um, Facts. Hardcore facts. Um, and I'm probably the coolest person besides Leighton that you'll ever meet in your entire life. Um, roll Tide, yes, Roll Tide. Um, so we're extremely excited about tonight, and I'm extremely excited about what I get to share with you for just a few minutes. So I know that a lot of you are here because you want to get to the fun and the different things, but I couldn't pass this opportunity up to share how we were all created to be one of a kind. So let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever seen one of those websites where they sell fake shoes and fake clothing? Anyone ever seen one of those? I know that Michael has seen one of those because Michael tried to sell me a pair of fake Yeezys one time. That's, that's not. Um, on these websites, you can buy some fake Nike tennis shoes, you can might get yourself a fake Gucci belt if you're into that kind of thing. Um, Or you could even pick up a fake Adidas jumpsuit, which some of you may be wearing tonight. Um, The list goes on for days, and there's certainly nothing wrong with it. I'm personally a huge fan of brand names, and I don't see anything wrong with it. And like Morgan, I have no shame in buying fake things like Morgan likes to buy fake Yeezys every now and then. Um, 
Because why? Who wants to drop $400 on real Yeezys? Anyone in the room just like, hey, here's $400, take it from me. No? You'll take it? You got some fake Yeezys? You can buy some from Michael. I, he might still have them. Um, all right, Michael, I don't believe you. Whether people care about real name brands or fake name brands or couldn't care less about any name brand at all, I will tell you that what would frustrate almost anyone on planet Earth, buying something that you think is name brand and then it's showing up and it being fake, kind of like Michael Sheezy's. Like, if you bought an iPhone online and then they sent you a fake iPhone, I don't even know if they make fake iPhones, but just imagine with me, you bought an iPhone online, you go to your mailbox, and there's a fake iPhone in the box. You'd probably be ready to fight someone. And the reason why is because you would feel like you were tricked or fooled or lied to or even taken advantage of. You see, when we expect the real version and we get the fake version, we don't like it. I don't think there's anyone in the room that's like, yeah, give me the fake version of that. I hate, 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 hate when I go to a restaurant and I say, give me a Coke, and they say, it's Pepsi okay. Besides my a fascination with Cardi B and that great Super Bowl halftime commercial of her going, the sound I can't make right now. Anyone out there can make that sound? Someone try. <laughs> It wasn't that great. I can do it, but there's a lot of pressure, and Maddie's staring at me deep into my soul, and I, yeah, what? I'll do it in a second. I got to work up to it. I got to get some, um, but anyways, so I hate when someone says, is Pepsi okay? Or as Cardi B would say, is Pepsi okay? That, that noise. Um, Yeah, you can clap for that. I'll be here all night. But I think the same is true when it comes to other people. When someone is the fake version of themselves, it bothers us. For example, when there's a girl in your school that smiles at you and says hi to you every single day, but you have a feeling that she really doesn't like you. Maybe you found out that she said something bad about you behind your back. You think, why does she pretend like we're friends when she sees me? It's so fake. This is how I feel Every time I come to Tribe Night on Sunday night and I see Destiny, because I feel like Destiny's my friend, but she secretly hates me. She, she talks bad about me all the time. She's shaking her head. She probably prays, dear God, take TiVo back to Alabama. <laughs> she did leave the group Snapchat. I forgot about that. Thanks, Destiny. Love, half a heart, half a heart for you. You, got, you did get at it back. Welcome back to the club. Or maybe for you, when you see the stuff your family deals with and fights over behind closed doors, I don't know if you have ever experienced this, you're getting out of the house on your way to church or you're on your way to do something and your family's fighting like cats and dogs. And when they get there, they decide, hey, we're going to pretend like we're the best parents ever. You can raise your hands. Your parents ever do anything like that? My, my mom did it all the time pulling into the church parking lot, threatening me and my brother within an inch of our lives, saying, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kill you. And then we walk into the church and they're like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? We're doing great, blessed and highly favored. 
For some of you, it's when you know that a friend is going through a hard time, but every time you ask them how they're doing, they say, I'm good. You know that they can't, you can't force them to talk about what they're dealing with, but the kind, you kind of wish that your friend would open up to you during your, their tough times and tell you what's going on, but instead they just tell you, I'm good. You see, here's the deal. It's so easy to deal with fake people. You wish people would just be themselves, good or bad. In fact, it isn't considered, it is considered an insult when we call someone fake. You don't want to be called fake, and I don't either. But there's a flip side to all of this. If you were being honest with yourself, most of us would admit this truth. It's not easy to be real with other people. Anyone in the room would agree with that? It's not easy to be real with other people. Have you ever had a friend who said mean or hurtful things either about you or about other people and then said, I'm just keeping it real or I'm just keeping it 100? Y'all still say that? Is that still a thing? I had a friend in high school. He would just be mean to everyone, everyone. Um, and he, we would say, why are you doing that? He's like, I'm just keeping it real. They needed to know the truth. And even though you don't necessarily say it or think it this way, there may have been a part of you that wished they were a little more fake and kept some of their opinions to themselves. Or maybe you know people who are a little too real, like they share all the information, like all of the information Sometimes you're thinking, that's too much. You're oversharing. Although what you're sharing is real, some of it involves things that I don't necessarily want to hear, like your bathroom habits. I had another friend in high school that would send us pictures of his poop when he thought it was gigantic. Like, sorry, bro, that's oversharing. Anyone in the room have a friend like that that just, you never know. Is that friend sitting on the same row as you right now? <laughs> and sometimes I thought to myself when I would receive these pictures of poop, I appreciate the fact that you're not fake, and I'd love to not know what your poop looks like. Like, I just don't need to see your poop. You see, sometimes we don't want people who complain all the time and sometimes we don't have schedules that are simply, we all have schedules that are simply too busy to give people time for us to be real with them. And sometimes we don't want to burden other people with our internal drama. And sometimes we're scared to death to talk to someone about the real stuff that's happening in our lives. So while we don't want to be called fake, it doesn't mean that we have an easy time being real. You see, that's totally normal, but there's one place where it's definitely not so normal to be real. Anyone want to guess where that place is? A place where it's not so normal to be real. That place is right here. At church, at church lock-ins, at church retreats, at church services, around church people, sometimes we use a different fancy word for being real, and that word is authentic. Authentic is about being true to you. It's being the one-of-a-kind you that God created you to be. 
It's being real instead of being fake. But the problem is this. It's not easy to be authentic in church. First, a lot of us grew up believing church is where we're supposed to be good. Anyone in the room grew up thinking that? I have to be good to go to church. That's how I grew up. This is where we hear sermons about doing things better. So when the real us doesn't line up with what the pastor is saying on the stage, we get overwhelmed and we think we'll never be good enough for church and the church can't handle the real me. The second thing is Christians can be known for being judgmental sometimes. I mean, I've seen some of your parents' Facebook pages. Let's just keep it real. You know, how many of you guys are on TikTok? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was odd. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. So you know those TikTok Christians who love to make videos about all the bad stuff they don't do? Anyone ever seen any of those TikToks? Any of you ever made any of those TikToks? Um, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that if the real you does the stuff in those TikToks that they don't approve of, it can feel a little awkward to open up to people like that. And the third thing is this. There's no guarantee that people would keep your information confidential if you were to be real about it. We all know what it's like to sit in a small group of people and wonder, if I get real with this group of people, what are the chances that I go to school tomorrow and everyone in the school know about what I shared in that group? So what do we do? We lock down the real us, we smile, we say just enough to get by, to make it look like we're being real without actually being real. We all do it. Every teenager, every adult, every leader, every pastor, every human in this room has this one thing in common. We're all a little fake sometimes. And you see, this isn't a modern day thing either, by the way, since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden, people have been tempted to hide themselves or to be a little less real, especially around God or God's people. You see, when Jesus was here, there were definitely people who cared a lot about keeping up the appearance of being good, but Jesus had an interesting tendency to help people get real. With that in mind, we're going to take a moment to look at a story that's recorded in the book of Mark. You see, Mark was good friends with a guy named Peter, and Peter was one of the most famous Jesus followers of all time. Peter walked closely with Jesus and was an eyewitness to the resurrection. So Jesus died and rose again, and Peter witnessed it all. In some ways, we take Peter's words extra seriously because he was there and he saw all of it. And before the end of Peter's life, Mark listened to Peter remembering what happened and wrote down what he said. One of the moments Mark recorded involved a large crowd. There was nothing unusual about that. You see, Jesus' Jesus's disciples were there, as were many of the religious church leaders of the time. And as Jesus walked up, the crowd is arguing with one another. Again, not uncommon. Jesus asked why they're fighting. And a man spoke up. His son was sick, and he brought the boy in hopes of him being healed. The disciples tried to heal the boy, but couldn't. Somehow, this led to the crowd arguing with each other. Jesus asked 
for the boy to be brought to him. And when they bring the boy to Jesus, the boy went into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground and started foaming at the mouth. So now Jesus sees this firsthand, what this dad has been dealing with for the entire boy's life. The boy is legitimately in need of help. So Mark chapter 9, verse 21 tells us this. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. So now we learn that the little boy was not only legitimately sick, he had been sick since he was a young kid and not a common sickness either. He was possessed by a spirit that often tried to kill him, tried to throw him into fire, tried to throw him into water. And honestly, I'm not super sure what that means or how it works. It sounds a lot like scary moments were happening in this family all the time. I would have been terrified. I remember when my two-year-old had his first seizure in a day where he had three seizures total. The look of hopelessness in his face and his whole body convulsing. I don't know if you've ever seen someone have a seizure, but in the moment, it's a very scary thing to watch. So I can't imagine this dad seeing his son convulse and this spirit trying to throw him in the fire and throw him in the water. I would have been terrified, and I'm sure the dad was. So he asked Jesus to help if he can. This guy is standing in front of Jesus who already calmed a storm. He healed incredible diseases and raised a little girl to life by simply saying a word. And this dad asked Jesus, if you can. Are you kidding me? If he can, Mark continues, what do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Maybe in the emotion of the moment, the dad forgot who he was talking to. Or maybe he just had some real doubts about the whole thing. Because us reading the story thousands of years later, we know that he was talking to Jesus, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the creator that knew how many, hair would be, how many hairs would be on your head before you were born. And that's why I kind of respect that question. Most people wouldn't bring it up. They'd act like it didn't bother them. They'd fake it till they made it. They'd pretend to believe more than they actually did. But not this dad. Maybe he said what he said on purpose. He saw Jesus and realized he couldn't hide what Jesus already knew, so he got honest. And honestly, some of you need to get honest with yourself tonight. And what does Jesus do? Strike him with lightning, walk away, correct him, tell him to be quiet? Nope. Jesus repeats what the man said, but I don't think he does it in a way to make the dad feel bad. I think he does it to meet the dad right where he was. Jesus was inviting the dad into a deeper relationship with him. When Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes, he was claiming that anything is possible for him, the dad. And I believe tonight he's claiming that for you, that anything is, is possible for you. In other words, Jesus was asking 
Do you trust me? Mark goes on to say, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, the first time I read this response, I was like, uh, wait, what? But over time, I've realized how much sense it makes because there are days when I feel like I trust Jesus a lot. Like I started following Jesus when I was 12. When I was 12, someone stood on the stage and said that God loved me so much. And I believed it. But there are also days when I feel like my faith is extremely weak. If you know anything about my story, you know that my life is full of embracing interruptions. I feel like I've been dealt a bad hand sometimes, from my sister dying to my stepdad being murdered to my grandpa dying five days before my high school graduation. My life has been full of embracing interruptions. And in those moments, if I'm being completely transparent and honest with you, my faith feels weak. There are also seasons when I feel extremely close to God and seasons where I feel extremely distant, like he doesn't care anything about me. There are situations where my confidence in Jesus is extremely strong, and there are situations where I feel less confident about anything that Jesus does. And I believe some of you can relate to those statements tonight. You see, the dad is basically like, Real talk, Jesus, I trust you, I think, but I kind of don't trust you. You know what? I don't know how I feel. Please help me. You know what Jesus does to this dad and this son who's being completely transparent and honest with him in this moment? Jesus healed the boy. Think about it. In a short encounter, the dad asked Jesus for mercy In that same encounter, he expressed his doubt in Jesus and showed Jesus the hot and cold side of his faith, and Jesus still heals his son. And Jesus didn't freak out, walk away, or tell the man that he needed to have more faith if he wanted healing for his son. Jesus stayed right there with the man and did what only Jesus could do in his life. I don't know about you, but if you've been around church for any bit of time, there are Christians in church that believe that if you just have more faith, this won't happen. If you have more faith, you won't look at pornography again. If you have more faith, you won't drink and do drugs. If you had more faith, bad things wouldn't happen to you. I'm 31 years old, and I can tell you in my short experience on this earth, that more faith does not stop any of those things from happening. Some of you in this room are walking through some of the darkest days of your life. Whether you regularly attend here or not, one of the things that we're committed to is always being transparent and honest with each other. That's why we showed you that video. We notice when people in our tribe don't show up. We notice when people in our tribe back off. We hurt when our friends hurt. And a lot of you walked into tonight looking for fun, but what you need to find is Jesus. And not in some weird way of having more 
faith to get over whatever it is you're dealing with, but in a way that it radically changes your life. You see, the New Testament records lots of encounters between Jesus and the people who were hurt, sick, desperate, doubting, or sinning, and he always remained present with them. And here's one thing it reveals to us. Jesus doesn't run from us when we're real with him. Jesus doesn't run from you when you're real with him. When was the last time that you were real with someone? Heck, when was the last time that you were real with yourself? You see, in fact, Jesus doesn't run from you. He runs towards us. We get closer to the heart of what we need from him, and so it becomes an opportunity for us to trust him even more today than we did yesterday. We experience the love of God in a deeper and more hidden parts of our heart. The Apostle Paul talks about the love of God in a relationship to the real stuff we deal with. Romans chapter 5 tells us this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, God loves us while we're still sinners. The God of the universe that created everything, knows everything that you've done, knows everything that you're going to do in the future, and yet he still chose to send his son to die on a cross for your sins. Before we ever fix the thing we should fix, before we behave better, before we figure out the parts of our lives that confuse us or hurt us, before we get real about what's going on with us, inside of us, in front of other humans, God loved us there. Someone in this room needs to hear that. God loves you right where you are. God loves you, the real you, the authentic you, the one of a kind you, just as you are. Like he did with the dad in the story, Jesus is inviting you to trust him more. For some of you, that may mean trusting him for the first time. For some of you, there's never been a moment where you understood that out of God's love for you, he sent Jesus to die for you, but death wasn't the point or the end of the story. You see, after his death, Jesus came back to life, defeating death, the separation between God and us, so we could be close to God because of what Jesus did for us. The dad in the story who met Jesus couldn't heal his son, and you and I can't save ourselves either. It's the work of Jesus. It's all about him and what he did for us, and I truly believe that we can trust that. For some of you, the invitation is for you to trust Jesus for the first time. God loves you just as you are but he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you there. You can trust in what he did for you. It takes courage to take that first step, but you are stepping towards someone 
who already knows you, someone that already loves you and already wants a relationship with the real you right now. For some of you, the invitation is for you to trust Jesus a little bit more. Maybe you've been hiding some of your real stuff from Jesus. You don't pray about it. You don't talk about it. You just assume that God is mad at you. You're not sure what you need from God because you're not authentic with him. So your, your step of trusting Jesus more is choosing to be more real with him. To be authentic with God and allow his love, his grace, and his mercy and forgiveness to fill in the cracks in your life. So if you guys will bow your heads and close your eyes, if you have your phone in your hand, I encourage you to put it away just for a moment. We have all night. We have exactly another 12 hours together. (laughs) But who's counting? So in this moment, I want you to draw a bubble around yourself. I want you, like I said, when was the last time that you were real with yourself? If what we learned tonight is true and that Jesus doesn't run from us when we're real with him, but he runs to us, how does that change the reality of how we're living? For some of you, depression is real. I've been in your shoes. You feel like no matter what you do, you can't be happy. No matter how hard you try, you can't shake this feeling of feeling overwhelmed, like there's nothing good left for you in life. And Jesus said, be real with me. Come to me and I will meet you there. I'm not going to run from you. For some of you, you're extremely anxious all the time. For no reason at all, you get extremely anxious in social situations. You get extremely anxious when you think about your life. You get extremely anxious when people ask you, how are you doing? One of the questions that me and Morgan ask each other a lot is, what is the condition of your soul? If I were to ask you that question, how would you respond? Is your soul heavy? Are you constantly feeling overwhelmed? Are you constantly feeling like you're trying to escape the reality of the world around you? In a room this size, there's all kinds of backgrounds in this room. There's kids and students that come from traditional households where mom and dad is still married. There's kids in this room that come from single parent households. There's kids in this room whose parents are going through divorces right now. There's kids in this room who've lost parents. There's kids in this room that are being raised by someone that's not their biological mom or dad. And I know that weighs heavy in a lot of different aspects. So I ask you again, what is the condition of your soul? In the moments of silence where you're sitting by yourself and you turn off your phone and you're not Snapchatting and you're not playing video games and you're not learning stupid TikTok dances or whatever it is that you use to distract yourself from what's 
honestly happening on the inside of you? What is the emotion that comes to mind? I know for the longest time after my sister died at only five days old, I was pissed. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that word in church, but that's what I was. I was so mad that God allowed that to happen in my life. And it took a moment similar to what's happening tonight for me to realize that the condition of my soul was toxic. That I was so angry with what was happening around me, the hand that I had been dealt, that everything that I did, I did out of anger. Everything that I did, I did to try to hurt people before I got hurt. I think it would be fair to say that in a room this size, some of you are there tonight. Tonight, I want to invite you to be real with Jesus. I'm going to give you just a few minutes to explore that question with yourself. So I'm going to ask you not to touch anyone around you, not to talk to anyone around you, not to get out of your chair or move around. And for some of you, this moment is going to feel extremely awkward. Because you see, in the world that we live in, we're so stimulated by videos and lights and screens that we very rarely stop to pause to take inventory of how you're doing. So I want you to take a few moments and ask yourself, what is the condition of your soul? Tiva, what is the condition of your soul? Cade, what is the condition of your soul? And as you think through the condition of your soul, as you think through how are you doing really, I want you to think through your life, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the moments that you love to tell people about and the moments that you're afraid that if someone found out about, they would never look at you the same. I want you to think about where you've been in your life, where you want to go in your life. If you're a Christian in a room, you know that the God that created everything cares deeply for you. And I'm not going to assume that everyone in the room is a Christian. I know that in a room like this, in a church like this, in a setting like this, it's a lot easier to pretend like you are a Christian. Like we said, church is a very hard place to be authentic because we're afraid of what would someone think if they knew I struggled with pornography? What would someone think if they knew that last night I had sex with my girlfriend? What would someone think if they knew that I drink every weekend to escape from the reality of the feelings that I feel when I'm at home. Well, 
one of the things that we're extremely proud about around here is that this place, this tribe, is an extremely safe place to be who you are. I can't tell you the countless conversations I've had, or Morgan's had, or our leaders have had with students that are broken. They're depressed, they're anxious, they're having suicidal thoughts. Their home life is hell. Yet in this place, while worshiping Jesus and being encouraged by the Bible, they feel safe to share that with someone for the first time. So we're going to do a couple of things. Like I said, some of you in this room tonight need to accept Jesus and trust him for the first time. So we're going to have a moment for that. But some of you in this room have already done that, yet there's something inside of you that you need to share with someone. You need someone to pray with you. You need to be real with someone. You need to take the mask off for just a few minutes and allow someone to hear your story, hear the pain that's inside of you. So we're also going to have a moment for that. you have to remember that Jesus doesn't run from you when you're real with him. He's not asking you to get your life together and then trust him more. He loves you just as you are. And he's inviting you to come to him with your true, authentic, real, one-of-a-kind self. So we're going to take a moment for that first group of you that need to meet Jesus and trust him for the first time. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone in the room, whether you're a Christian or not, to pray this prayer after me. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because we said being authentic at church is very hard. There might be someone on your row that you assume is a Christian. And they've been wrestling with this for weeks, for months, for years. I was there. I went to church all the time and everyone assumed I was a Christian until that moment that I decided to follow Jesus. And it took a lot of courage and it took a lot of faith because I thought, what are they going to think about me? So let's pray this prayer together. And I'm going to ask everyone to repeat it after me. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for your son. Jesus. I know I'm not perfect. I know that I mess up. But today, I choose to follow you. Help me to live a life that's worthy of your son. For some of you, that's the first time that you've prayed a prayer like that. And if this tonight is your first time accepting Jesus to be your best friend, to be the Lord of your life, to be the savior of your life, to trust him with your past, to trust him with your present, to trust him with your future, the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven 
are throwing a party. And if I could give you a high five or give you a pat on the back, I would. There's no greater decision than that one that you will ever make in your entire life. So like I said, we were gonna deal with two groups of people. So that was the first group. The second group, it's gonna be a little different. It's gonna require a little courage from your part. But I can guarantee you that no one in this room is going to judge you. So I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to stand up, not yet. And John's gonna start playing and we're gonna start singing. If you're in that second group of people, if you need to be real with someone for the first time or in a long time, there's gonna be leaders at the back of the room that are there that are ready to pray for you, that are just ready to hear your story, to walk through your pain with you. Like I said, this is a safe place. We feel when each other's hurting. I can sense the heaviness in this room right now. And before we get on to anything else, I don't want us to miss this moment. So if you guys will stand up. And let me pray for you. God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you that in a crazy time like this, we're able to gather, we're able to worship you for who you are. We're able to run to you knowing that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know all the answers. But if we meet you where you are, if we run to you, you will meet us. God, I pray that you give us the courage to take our mask off. Give us the courage to seek you more, to worship you with reckless abandon, to trust you more today than we did yesterday. Even when we don't understand why you allow bad things to happen, or even when we don't understand why our life is the way that it is. Help us to trust you. Help us to love you. And God, for myself and for my friends, I pray that you give us the courage to step out if we need to talk to someone, to be real, to take off the mask, to be willing to say, hey, I need to talk to someone. So if that's you, like I said, I'm going to be at the back of the room. Morgan's going to be at the back of the room and our leader's going to be at the back of the room. If you need to talk to someone, you can step out of your seat and do that as John plays and sings.